God bless you. Romans chapter number seven this morning. It's good to be here. Good to be saved. To be born again, free from sin. Anything else you want to call good old fashioned, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. Amen. I forget I went in that church house that night. I got saved singing Whiskey Bent and Hell Bound. Hank Williams Jr. was my hero. I come out singing amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Well, Jesus Christ is my hero, amen? Thank God. Well, you pray for me. We pray much for the Jubilee, and uh, we pray to God. I like how Brother Grabley moderates the meetings. He just gets up and says what needs to be said and gets out of the way, amen? I get, <laughs> I get weary of these moderators that's got something to say. I had 15, 20 minutes to every message that just got preached. I'd rather hear a fat baby burp. Can I get an amen right there? Would you? I love you, Brother Grabley. Thank you. Well, I was praying about what the Lord had had me to preach on this morning, and, and you ain't going to believe what God's done to me, done for me. Uh, he has had me reach back about 16 or 17 years, and I'm going to preach an oldie but a goldie. Amen. So let's stand in reverence to the reading of the King James Bible. And if everybody gets mad and we have to shut the meeting down after this morning, it's all Brother Ricky Gravely's fault, amen? <laughs> no, I'm sure the Word of God will be a blessing to you. If it ain't, something's wrong with you. Amen. amen. Romans chapter number 7, Bible said in verse number 24, the Bible said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind, I, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh... The law of sin. Father, help me. Help these people this morning. I pray you send great revival. Pray you bless Pastor Gravy. Fill him and anoint him and endue him with the divine power of God. You'd help all of us to be sensitive to the sweet Holy Spirit of God in these days of meeting. A lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of prayer, a lot of effort, a lot of labor went into this meeting. I pray God forbid that you let any of us grieve or quench you. Help us to have a good, ungrieved, unquenched atmosphere every service. Help all us preachers to get along with each other. Lord, we'll bless you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I am uh, saved 26 years now, and when I first got saved, I got into something that I didn't know much about. Can anybody else relate to that and say amen right there? It's a brand new world, and uh, when we got saved, God allowed us the opportunity to experience some things we'd never experienced before. He allowed us to get into a work like we'd never been in before, nothing like the work of God, and I bless the holy name of God for being in the work of God and laboring in his vineyard, his field, and doing work for God. But then we got the opportunity to witness uh, uh, two people that we never have before. And uh, man, it's a wonderful blessing to do the work of an evangelist, is it not? Just to walk up to a complete stranger, look them in their God-given eyeballs and tell them that Jesus loves them and wants to save them by the good grace of God. I got up out of bed this morning, got in the vehicle, and I, I almost done the speed limit to get down here, but I've got witnesses that testify against that, so I won't lie today. Uh, but uh, my heart broke over the, situ the sad situation of, uh, of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and, uh, and this northern part of Georgia, of all the people that wasn't coming to the house of God, uh, that's on the way to the lake and on the way to the river and on the way to play, and they ain't got God in their mind. And God broke my heart and burned my heart and reminded me and revived in my heart how we need to get the gospel out. 
I didn't do none of that before I got saved. How about you? I didn't have no desire to see somebody else saved. But then when we get to worship somebody, we ain't never got to worship before. Blessed be the name of God. I don't know about you, but I really feel that this worship stuff's highly addictive business. Amen? I like it. I like to get in the glory. Oh, magnify the Lord with me is what the psalmist said. Uh, then we get to walk a path that we never got to walk before. Amen? It's a walk of anointing, a walk of assurance, a walk of authority all found in chapter number eight of the book of Romans. But then we come to our thought this morning. Amen. It put me in a war. I knew nothing about, buddy. I didn't realize when I first got saved that we were new nature creatures now. You see, before we got saved, there wasn't but one of us. Before I got saved, it just one of me, man. But now that I'm saved, uh, uh, there's two of me. And, uh, and you talk about schizophrenic, maniac, depressive, bipolar, everything else that got go along with it. Uh, brother, when that battle goes to raging on the inside, the old man against the new man, hey, brother, we're going to get in trouble. And uh, so I just simply want to preach on this subject this morning on what to do when you turn two. Uh, amen. And I'm not talking about two years old. Uh, I'm talking about when God. God saves you. Amen. Salvation ain't the recreation of the old man. It ain't the renovation of the old man. It's a creation of a brand new man. And neighbor, there's two of us. There's a part of you that's saved by the good grace of God and the devil can't do nothing about it. And there's a part of you that's still wicked to the core and ain't saved yet. So I got three simple points on what to do when you turn to. Number one, you gotta crucify the old man. Hey, God, yes. He said in the book of Galatians, he said, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. I like that text because it said have. It's past tense. You gotta crucify the old man. Hey, man of God, a lot of folk ain't crucified of the flesh. And crucifying the old man in a nutshell is simply this. It's starving out the old man, amen, to the point that he can't control your life anymore. You can do what you want to with the old man. You can starve him out, you can get him weak, but you'll never get him to the point to where he will not be able to talk to you. See, the old man, he don't mind praying over lunch as long as you do it when ain't nobody looking. He don't mind going to church as long as it's just Sunday morning. He don't mind reading the Bible as long as it's just one verse. That old man, he'll get you in a whole lot of trouble. That old man, see, there's a part of you wanted to come to church this morning and a part of you that didn't. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? There's a part of you wants to read your Bible today and a part of you that don't. There's a part of you that wants to pray and a part of you that don't. Amen, do you understand the battle that go on in the heart of a born again believer? Amen, you gotta get that old man nailed to the cross. Amen, I used to picture us carrying our crosses. When Jesus said, take up thy cross, and follow me daily. I used to picture myself carrying an empty cross, but that's not the case. The new man's got to starve the old man out and lay him down on a cross and get a hammer out and by faith nail the old man to the cross. So when we carry our cross, we're carrying it and the flesh is nailed to it. What good's a cross if you ain't nailed to it? I was meditating this morning and I, I was thinking about Jesus being submitted to his cross. And if he was submitted to his, how much more should we be submitted to ours? And, 
and Jesus, boy, and this is a load right here that I don't know too many people that's ever really lived it, including myself. Jesus was just as submitted to the cross as when they put him on it as they was when he took him off of it. Hey, man of God. Brother, I'm telling you, we better get submitted to our cross. Our cross will bring us to a place. Our cross will bring us to a, uh, some peace. Our cross will bring us to where God wants us to be. Hey, man, and if you ever let the old man be in charge of your life. You say, oh, let's go over here and watch this bad movie. Hey, man, the old man will have you in a beer joint drinking a beer. He'll have you in an X-rated movie. He'll have you committing adultery, fornication. He'll have you listen to rock and roll music, country music. He'll have you ladies lay down on a beach somewhere in a bikini short up out of your body. He'll have you cussing and telling dirty jokes. That's the old man. Hey, but I'll tell you the new man. He'll bring you to the house of God. He'll have you in the Bible. He'll have you on your knees. We've got the crucified. The old man. So how do I do it? I mean, really, if I had a cross and a hammer and some nails up here, for years I thought that, you know, I'd take a hammer and I got I might could get a nail through my feet and I might could get one in one hand, but I still got one that's going free, so what in the world am I going to do? Well, don't forget, I'm talking about what happens when you turn two. You got that new man, so why don't you just take the new man and put a hammer in his hands and lay the old man on the cross and nail both hands to it and nail both feet to it and pick him up and say, hey, you ain't controlling my life today, good buddy. Hey, man, I know, I wish I could get rid of you. And then the word picture is, when they would commit murder back in those days, they would take the dead body of that person they murdered and they'd strap it around the back of the one that was guilty and they'd make him carry it until the body rotted on his back and it would often bring death to the one that was carrying it. How putrefying. I would not want to see somebody carrying a dead body that'd been dead for six or seven months, would you? Our flesh is a stench in the nostrils of almighty sovereign God. It's offended God. So what do we do, boy? Do you, 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 get, uh, you get out there and if you've laid your cross down, you know what you've had to do? Talking about crucifying the old man. You know what you had to do? You had to get a hammer and you had to get out there and you had to beat that nail out of it and pull the nail out of the hands. And if you laid your cross down, you just didn't lay it down and leave your flesh now to it and walk on. Oh no, you had to take the nail out of the feet and you had to pull that old man up and you had to apologize to him. And then you had to feed him and take him and go get him something to eat that he loves. Amen. You know, just a little side note this morning. I, 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 I almost preached on why I hate sin today. Hey, you want to know why I hate sin? Because the Lord hates it. God hates sin. Look what it did to his son. He that you know sin was made sin for us. Take a good look at the cross. The Lord hates it. Look at the lives it ruins. Ruined lives. I've been called to many a hospital. People laying there with their liver rotted out because they drunk themselves to death. I met an older lady a couple of weeks ago. And uh, she was crying and broken, never met her before in my life. And I said, man, I'm a Baptist preacher, and I'd love to have prayer for you. Is there anything I can help you pray about? And she said, my 47-year-old brother finally drunk himself to death, left a 40-year-old boy behind, story after story, ministry after ministry. You don't think 
And I know you're not a proud, conceited church, but you don't think sin couldn't come to the Bible Baptist Church. And you don't think sin couldn't get on the platform. And you don't think old brother Morgan couldn't just take every bit of it and wad it up, throw it in the toilet and flush a 26-year ministry down the drain. You don't think old brother Brian I couldn't just go mess up and brother Grabbling, brother Brian. Well, if you think you're above sin, you're going to be the one we're going to use it for an illustration one of these days. Oh, that'd never be me. You're the very one that better get on this altar this morning and get your flesh nailed to the cross. That never, I tell you, I'm getting tired of seeing these little boys and these little girls that really got saved by the grace of God. Get out in the sin because they wouldn't let the new man crucify the old man. I hate sin because of lives it ruins. But this one convicts me the most. And don't crucify me. If what I'm fixing to say is too honest, and if it's, if it's way beyond you, then you just leave me alone and pray for me, okay? I hate sin because I love it so much. We admit that we got a problem. We can get some help. You know why you can't keep your eyes off that woman you ain't married to, sir? You love it too much. You don't know why you can't quit flirting with that man you ain't married to, man? Because you love it too much. Hey, you go out, you get you a drink this afternoon, it's because you love it. Amen. You go smoke your joints because you love it. You get into sins because you love it. There's a part of us that still loves sin. That ought to bring conviction to our hearts. That ought to bring, that ought, that, ought, that ought to set off red flags. That ought to set off the warning bells. That ought to do something in us that'll make up our mind that we'll be able to stand before God and hear the words well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Never, I'm telling you today, our flesh loves sin. That's why I hate it. It's because I like it so much. Yeah. Pampered it up. You got to crucify the old man. You can't let him talk to you. You can't let him. Chapter 6, we're free from sin. Chapter 7, we got freedom and victory over the self if we'll do it. Chapter 8, we got freedom from condemnation. We got the... Some of these fellas run around saying, well, Paul's talking about when he was lost in these three chapters. And I beg to differ with you. You want to divide the book of Romans up? You can divide it like this. The theme, as far as I'm concerned, being that of salvation. Chapter 1, 2, and 3 be the fundamentals of salvation. Chapter 4 and 5, study Abraham. We'll find the faith that's involved in salvation. Chapter 9, 10, and 11, Israel's rejected God. There's a family that rejects salvation. And the rest of the book is the fruits of salvation. But chapter 6, 7, and 8 is the flesh after the fact that we're saved by the grace of God. Don't you pull this sinless perfection junk up on me, neighbor. I wish it was a Bible truth. I wish that we could uh, uh, get the... Uh, flesh so subjected that we could go weeks and months without sinning uh, but oh Lord God have you made it there yet if you have would somebody educate me that's what I'm looking forward to going to heaven for I mean I don't want to rush it up and I ain't looking to go today amen but I'd be glad thank God that I can go, won't have to get on my knees and say Lord it's me again and God I can't lie to you I have sinned Serious thing, ain't it? 
Number two this morning, if we're going to not, and it's probably a little bit repetitious, but it'll, it'll bear, it needs to be said, crucify the old man. Number two, let the new man be in control. Amen. You got to let him call the shots. That's right. I have been preaching to young people for 26 years now, and I recently come across something in the book of Ruth, Brother Gravely, a little food for thought that uh, Ruth did not listen to Naomi in chapter 1. If she would have, she would have went to hell without God. Missed out on Boaz. Well, Naomi's a good woman. She's just bitter. So you got to learn who you take advice from. And even good people give bad advice sometimes. But she, she did everything she told her to chapter 2, 3, and 4, and it benefited her. She didn't take the advice of chapter 1. She did in the rest of the book, look where she ended up at, uh, redeemed, saved, with child. You have always got to learn what kind of advice you need to be taking, young people. And the rule of thumb on how, who, and what kind of advice to take is what direction is that advice going to take you? Is that advice going to send you to hell? Don't take it. Is that advice going to have you worldly? Don't take it. Is it going to have you away from God? Don't take it. But if that advice is going to put you on a path heading down toward Boaz, if that advice is going to put you on a path heading to the secret place, if that advice, oh, glory to God, is going to get you on your knees somewhere talking to God and fellowshipping with God, then by all means, take it, take it, take it. I mean, give a God. Amen. you got to let the new man be in control. The old man's going to pull you away but the new man he's got to be in control what's he got to be in control of he's got to be in control of our thoughts who's doing the thinking the Bible said wherefore gird up the loins of your mind he said arm yourself with the same mind that Jesus had amen that when you gird that's the old ship terminology you're taking those ships were made out of wood back in those days and they would uh uh, get uh, the boards and get uh, cracks in between them. You know, they'd take big old ropes and they'd wrap it around the whole ship. And that boy, they'd gird that thing down and they'd tighten it down so no water could get up in the ship and sink it. And that's the word picture that we need to do with our minds. We need to take the word of God and gird it up so strong. I get weary of preachers and people that get critical toward Bible reading. Neighbor, you need to read through your Bible at least once a year. Amen. We need to have a relationship. Why? I'm firmly convinced if we'll stay consistent in two areas of our lives, amen, everything else will fall in place. If you'll be consistent in your Bible reading and in your prayer time. If you'll get in the presence, it ain't got to be three hours, four hours, though those times are sweet and precious. Amen. If you'll just make it a point to get into God's presence and know you're there every day of your life, you can have victory in your mind. Stinking thinking lives to stinking living. Wrong thinking leads to wrong living. My Mama said it the best years ago. I know she didn't coin the phrase, but she said, you get your mind out of the gutter, boys. Old Papa said, that's why you don't watch that old pornography, boys. Mess your brains up. You got to let the, and and by the way, there ain't never been a pervert or a pedophile, Brother Lamar, you ever preached to in the jails what didn't have a problem with pornography. 
Amen. It'll make something out of you, put you in a fantasy world that don't exist. And it'll make a pervert and a pedophile, a sodomite. It'll make something out of you that you don't, it'll, it'll rob you of victory, it'll rob you of joy, rob you of peace. Amen. I, and I, I'm not a doctor, I, I, and I'm not going to get critical toward anybody that's ever suffered with depression. And I'm going to make a statement here, and I don't want to offend nobody. I, I really ain't, because I'm not an authority on it. But I believe a lot of a lot of these mind struggles that people's going through somewhere along the way, they got unconfessed sin in their lives. <laughs> Amen. And the peace of God is missing in their hearts. And <laughs> think of it with me: when you've had all your sins confessed up, and you were reading and praying and walking with God, and the new man was carrying the cross, how much victory did you have? You had a lot, and you wasn't discouraged, and you wasn't defeated, and you wasn't cast down. And I know, and I, again, I'm not an authority on the sun, but I tell you, I, I believe that's what's wrong with our churches. If we got too much unconfessed sin, and people won't get right with God now. I'm going to ask you a question, and I already know the answer to it. I know what you're going to say. How many of you, don't answer this person, really want help from God today? How many of you are willing to really get your feelings hurt to do it? Boy, I was, well, I was up at your son-in-law's last year. God put two or three burning in my heart in that good revival meeting. Conviction, people getting saved. He burnt that and all things he might have the preeminence. Just, I can't, just, he's got to have the preeminence. And he gave me something that I hadn't ever prayed. I started asking God. You really won't get your feelings hurt. It'll help you now. I started asking God, Lord, let me see myself through your eyes. God, would you let me see what you see? But I get convicted and pricked in my heart. You think God's going to come down, pat you on the back, tell you you're doing a good job? No, no, no. Make me know wisdom in the hidden parts. Parts that I, I don't even know about. God, you deal with it, and I'll deal with it. We have got to let him, the new man, control our thought life. Oh, that's where we lose the battle. And it isn't always just lust. It isn't always just perversion that would go on in the minds, in our minds. You, you get in the fantasy world, you get something in your head that ain't there. <laughs> you get to thinking people's against you. Now watch this. We got us preachers got to watch that, especially when God goes to using us. Because everybody up here wants what we got. You're gonna get. It's gonna be a bad day. You're gonna think and everybody's against me. As an evangelist, they don't have us back, brother Hewitt. Well, I wonder what he did wrong. Maybe what we did right. People walk out the back door. Is this church like every other church I ever preached here? <clears throat> you going into a new building project? Can I bring something to the table? Let's just go ahead and put a revolving door in the back. <clears throat> You're going to need one, neighbor. They're going to come. They're going to go. But thank God for that crowd that stays. Let God. Show us what he's seeing. Yep. That'll wipe a smirk off any face. That'll knock the pride out of any heart. Oh, we got it. I'm the best. 
I've seen it recently. I've seen it. I've seen a young man, probably about 14 years old. He's supposed to be the best basketball player the world's ever seen. <laughs> I watched him lose games. I told him, I said, you know there's no I in, t in team, right? He said, yeah, but there's a me. <laughs> yeah. I've watched, well, I'm the best worker. Oh, we got the best business. We got the best church. Me and Brother Sammy Allen, we used to pick on each other who had the best food at whose camp meet. Amen. All in good fun, but no, we don't got the best. We're not the best. But I know who the best is. Who is it? What's that pastor's name? What's the name of that church? Oh, it's not a pastor's name. It's not a church's name. It's God's name. Can I get an amen? Well, I know y'all wanted to shout this morning. I'm trying my best. You got to control your thoughts with the new man. We got to let the new man control our talk. Simple preaching this morning. Who's doing the talk? Perversion, wickedness, dirty jokes. We all love them. <laughs> Forgive me, but I'm just going to be honest about my carnality. It's all I can do to keep from laughing at some of these jokes some of these guys are telling. And I'm not talking about pulpit jokes neither. I hear somebody tell, fix to tell a bad joke. They gonna, they, they used to pull me up and hem uh, me up, try because I tell y'all wicked. My ears ain't trash cans. I don't want to hear that junk. Hush. Jesus loves you. I'll preach to you. You want to talk about? It, but I don't hear. Man, man I turn around, and walk away. Two reasons, because I really didn't want to hear it, and I was real, and I still to this day I don't. I don't want to hear the perverted talk. I don't want to hear the wickedness. And I was scared that if it was carnally funny, I, I'm liable to laugh at it in front of them and lose my testimony. You don't, you got to watch what you talk about. Don't talk about perverted things. You get married, you grow up, go on your honeymoon, first thing you need to do when you get on your honeymoon is get your Bible out and have prayer with your wife, buddy. Make her some promises. One of those promises is that you will never discuss with anybody else on planet earth what goes on in your love life. I can't believe the talk of Baptist men and women of what they've got to say about their husband and their wives. Boy, it's getting deathly quiet right here. And if you're guilty, this altar is for you this morning. I don't want to come down here and be a jerk or just be rude on purpose, but I'm going to preach what God put on my heart. you got to watch not just the filthy talking, but the foolish jesting. I mean, Brother Gravity and I, we got, a, as far as, and even Brother Brown, we got great, two of my best friends on planet Earth sitting in the same bill. I'm blessed. I love, I love you guys. I don't tell you that enough. I do. Y'all have uh, not just been there for me when I really needed you, but God's let us hold each other's arms up and hands up and just scotch each other, and it's just precious. It is. We joke around. I mean, me and Brother Gravity, sometimes, boy, you... We, we have a good time. But we know the line. A line that crosses into disrespect. A line that says, oh, I didn't mean that. Oh, you did too. See, if you do, I, I, Brother Brown, I don't like these people. I can't stand them. I got two or three of them in my life right now, and I've been praying God to fill them with the Holy Ghost. And the more I pray for them, the worse they get, so... I don't know. Pray to God, I'll give them lockjaw is what I'm going to pray. <laughs> and, uh, right out of the gate, 
every time you see them, first thing out of their mouth is some cut down. This that attitude of superiority. That I'm way up here and you're way down there and I'm going to talk to you like it. You, you, got, you can't talk to your wife like that. You can't talk to your husband like that. Well, we'd, you talk about, we can put, I guarantee you the Baptist church could put Hollywood out of business if we could just film what went on behind the scenes that nobody's seen in our Baptist churches. <laughs> oh, boy, she's the sweetest thing. Oh, you're to see her at the house, buddy. Mean her in a striped snake, got her born with her hands on her hips, amen. Ruly, amen, ruly. Did I say ruly? Yeah, you ought to see him, buddy. You think, boy, he's singing in the choir. Oh, how I love you. You ought to hear him talk to his wife. You ought to hear how he talks to his children. Hey, we got to watch out. We talk to sinners. You ought to let the, you ought to let the new man control you talk when you're praying. To be honest this morning, you ever prayed in the flesh? I'm talking about just get upset, angry, not praying in faith, but praying in the flesh. If you don't have a consistent prayer life, then this point right here is not for you because you don't know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you pray in the spirit. Sometimes you pray in the flesh. If you ain't careful, you'll be praying for God to do something. He don't do it, and you're liable to get aggravated because God won't do it. And I might be like myself. I've spent a lot of time telling God how to fix my problems. And when I got done praying and God did it his way, I'd have to stand back and say, thank you, Lord, for not answering my prayer. Because if God answered every prayer we ever prayed, especially in the flesh, I probably wouldn't be here this morning. I know one thing, I'd be a blue John billionaire. Say amen right there. <laughs> you wouldn't have to raise an offering for the meeting this week. I'd just write you a check and pay for it with a bonus. I would give it, I'm telling you. Billion dollars, what in the world's two or three hundred thousand? You ain't gonna miss that. <laughs> uh, where would you be if God answered every prayer you ever prayed? Young people, you gotta watch, you gotta pray for the right one. You go to praying for the wrong one and, and you get him or get her, boy, you're in trouble. Right? A lot to be said. You gotta let him control your talk, you gotta let him control your temper. On and on and on. Thirdly, this morning, and I am done. We're crucifying the old man. The new man's going to be in control. And then thirdly, in chapter 8, verse number 29, the Bible said, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. We have got to conform to the image of the God-man. Old man, new man, now the God man. We often, often get too easily influenced, don't we? I, I don't want to act like I'm way up here and John Beloved's way down here. It's the exact opposite. But I often laugh and uh, just kind of scratch my head every time I study the mountain of transfiguration. Peter, James, and John's up on the mountain. Jesus is in the glory of with Moses and Elijah, they still hold the record of being the only three human beings on planet earth that ever had that experience. And when I get to heaven, I'm gonna talk to all three of them about it. 
and they come out and, and there's a crowd that don't want Jesus. And you know what John the beloved does? He said, Lord, let's pray fire out of heaven and let's just go ahead and send them to hell. Condemn them. They don't want you, let's just put them in hell. <laughs> he didn't just say that, but in action. That's what was being said. Let's set them on fire. You'd have thought he just got out of the mountain of transfiguration. You'd have thought Jesus would have rubbed off on him because he was outshining them all. That's right. But no. You'd have thought Moses may have rubbed off on him. But no. It had to be Elijah, that fire-breathing Baptist prophet from the old days. I'm talking about John laid his head on the bosom and the breast of Jesus. I'm talking about John knew the heartbeat of God. And now here John is, you know what? That sweet, tender, loving man by the name of John all of a sudden said, let's call fire out of heaven and annihilate him. He got influenced. It rubbed off on him. You ain't careful. We'll let people rub off on us. Did your mama tell you the same thing mine did? You lay with an old dog, you're going to get his fleas. Your mama ever say anything to you like mine did to me and my daddy? Come in hanging out with the boys from school. And we didn't know God. And Dad said, boy, why don't you try being yourself? Quit trying to be everybody else. It's a whole lot better. You got we get it, it, when when people rub off on us. Sad to say, it ain't always gonna be like our good departed brother, brother Sammy Allen. Every time I got around him, I got convicted to pray. He inspired me to get closer to God. It ain't always like that. Sometimes, most of the time, we pick up other people's bad habits. Bad character falls. <laughs> smart aleck told me here a while back. She made a smart aleck comment to me. I bit my tongue. I bit it. But you know what I wanted to say? I wanted to say, uh, darling, <laughs> that smart aleck comment that you just learned from that other guy, I've heard him say it about you a hundred times, so I probably wouldn't use it on anybody else if I was you. But bite it till it bleeds, neighbor. <laughs> am I being too honest for y'all? If I am, under God, get right with God. I, I know I'm slowed down just a little bit here this morning, but I tell you, we need preaching, amen? Amen. You've got to conform to the God, man. I don't want you walking out here acting like your pastor, acting like Brother Brown, or acting like me or Brother Hewitt. Hey, man, God forbid I call a few more. Hey, man, we sure don't want up in any house. Hey, neighbor, we got to be like Christ. Hey, man, we need to be Christ-like in our speech, Christ-like in our attitudes, Christ-like from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. We need to be Christ-like. And John the Baptist got his head cut off. And Jesus come back through town and they was preaching the gospel. You know what old Herod said? He said, is John risen from the dead? Jesus reminded Herod of John. And Herod mistook Jesus for John. Now, I'm going to dare say that 
Nobody has ever looked at me and said, there's Jesus. And nobody's ever looked at the Lord and said, you know, is that John Morgan? But that's what went on. Is it because Jesus was doing such a good job of imitating John the Baptist? Absolutely not. It was because John did such a great job of conforming to the image of Christ that when people saw Jesus, they thought it was John. <laughs> you got to conform to the image of the God man. You you got to be. They're going to begin playing softly whenever they find you. You got you got to get. Have you ever actually prayed and said, "Lord, help me to be a Christian in every true sense of the word"? You better get ready, because when you do, you're going to have a fight on your hands. You float through this Christian life, be mediocre, be average, or you can make your mind up. You know what? Lord, you saved me. You went all the way for me. I'm going to go all the way for you. We're standing all over the building. The pastor's coming. Father, pray to take these feeble thoughts. Old message ought to feel like I just fell flat on my face, but I had a good time trying. Lord, I know you put this on my heart. I ain't preached this in seven or eight years, Lord. God, you burn at my heart again this morning. If it wasn't for nobody else, I know it's for me, Jesus. And Father, I pray that you'd bless Brother Gravelin the remainder of the Jubilee. Help Brother Eric as he comes and the other men of God. And pray you bless these precious souls on the altar. God, would you give us victory. Help us to have wisdom to bring our bodies under subjection. Help us, Lord, to crucify the old man. Let the new man be in control and conform to the God-man. In Christ's name, amen.